Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in the virtual studios at the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in his home studio in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, is my favorite friend, the man who invented flavored instant coffee, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, hello, Ken. You and know, all you coffee drinkers should be thankful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you say all you coffee drinkers because you're not a uh, you're not a coffee drinker yourself. No, nope. I never like the taste of it. Yeah, too bitter, so, too too something. Yeah, I remember the first time I had coffee was a fre- well, I was a freshman at Notre Dame and had to stay up typing a paper and was kind of nodding off. And my roommate said, "Hey, have some coffee." I was like, oh, this stuff's disgusting. <laughs> and then uh, then I was introduced to Mountain Dew at that point. Ah. So. <laughs> Mountain Dew, that stuff. Boy, uh, that'll give you the diabetes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I do like that uh, Mountain Dew Zero product, though, because it has all the taste and none of the uh, sugar. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is not an ad for, for Mountain Dew and caffeinated beverages. It really isn't. But uh, golly, that stuff is tasty. So. <laughs> Well, Deacon, uh, how's it been going? You know, uh, here on, on campus at Notre Dame, we have had a super hot week recently. Like the weather was just insanely hot. And I know it was hot and humid for a lot of the country. Um, but uh, how are things uh, How are things in Portland, in the Pacific Northwest? Well, this is the time of year that we started to get some really good weather here where it doesn't rain as much anymore. So a uh, typical start of summer uh, for us here, we, we have had a lot of rain. Yeah, uh, but now um, we're you know hitting that time of year where it's just going to be sunny and people are going to be out and the parks and the camping sites and the rivers going to be full with uh, recreators and the beaches. People are start heading to the beaches here, and so yeah, it's just a wonderful time here yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. Now, tell me, you of course, obviously, you travel a lot to preach parish missions and retreats and and men's days and things like that. Is the summer a tough time for that? Because I know a lot of parishes do less programming in the summer because families are gone and because of vacations and things like that. What does your uh, kind of ministry schedule look like? Yeah, summer is a very lean time, which is why I typically go overseas during the summer. Aha! Uh-huh. But of course. Yeah, still feeling the effects of, of the pandemic. You know, those those trips have to be planned out six months or more in advance. And because of the pandemic and the uncertainty of travel, you know, back six months ago, there were still all these restrictions and everything. So we couldn't plan for this summer. So I have to wait till next year yeah, uh, to go back uh, overseas during the summertime. So but so so I'm home. I have, you know, July. Basically, I'm, I'm home the entire month. Um, I do have uh, something the last week of July and then August, just a couple of things. And then September things start picking up. But even even in the fall, I have these gaps, you know, open spaces in my schedule because no one was booking anything new during 2020, <laughs> 2021 right, right. as well. So it left this kind of weird little hole in my in my schedule. So, yeah, so I'm going to enjoy the time uh, home, uh, more time with my wife and uh, more time to write. You know, um, uh, once I... 
put this book on racism to bed, which I'm going to be doing in the next week or so. Here, I mean, it's already done. It's just that, you know, go through the editing process. Yeah, <laughs> so that'll yeah. be done at the end of July. And then uh, then I'll start thinking about the next project I want to work on. Any ideas you want to give us a, you know, a, a, think about it. These are your close personal friends here, Deacon. You can tell us. What are you what are you thinking about next? <laughs> well, I'm thinking about doing something on uh, gender. Oh, you sure. know, I, I want to team up with a, a, a theologian who I've just come to know recently uh, about her existence and who I have an intellectual crush on, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Abigail Favale. She's um, fantastic and awesome. I, I had a great know. chat with her for the podcast at the DeNicola Center, and she is amazing. Yeah, and that's how I found out about her. I was watching a podcast from lectures from the DeNicola Center YouTube channel, and there was a lecture by her because Matt Fratt had told me about her. And so I listened. To, I was like, "Whoa, what? Whoa, whoa, hold on!" <laughs> I mean, the way she was talking about Jared was just incredible. I was like, "Wow!" And so I, I bought her book and I started reading. And I started watching more YouTube videos of her. Then I found out she was a George Fox. I'm like, "What?" Yeah. And so, yeah. And so she's so close. And so I've been trying to reach out to her. And so I re- tried to reach out to her through Matt Frad. And Matt said that when she he contacted her, because she goes, she already knew who I was. I'm like, what? <laughs> How does she wow. know who I am? And I'm trying to figure out who she is. It's just so uh yeah, we're gonna get together. Um, she's um taking a new job. I don't know if she's publicly announced that now, but she's taking a new job, so she's gonna be leaving Oregon. So I definitely want to get together with her and chat with her because I'd love to work on a book with her. Um, you know, me from the male perspective and the female's perspective about gender and identity and all that. And I think we can craft something really, really wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to her about it. Yeah, that's exciting. Wonderful. Well, Deacon, we have been chatting for the last few weeks about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. And um, I just think this is such such an important topic because the Holy Spirit is the animating force, the animating divine person of the church, right? We live and move in the spirit and we are even brought to faith by the Holy Spirit. And so what better topic is there, especially in these weeks as we're still in the afterglow, the hangover, if you will, of Pentecost, the church's very birthday in which the Holy Spirit impelled the apostles to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel of salvation. Uh, And so we're going to continue our chat tonight about the Holy Spirit. And um, I wanted to say, you know, last week we finished, uh, as we wrapped up our conversation, we were talking about this idea of the of when the, the prophets and the apostles speak, they don't speak on their own behalf, but it's they speak on God's behalf. And it's the Spirit of God that speaks through them and works in them. And something that I, as I kind of read and think about that very topic is, you know, I'm a lector at my parish. I've been installed, received the ministry of lector, that which, uh, you know, there's a formal ministry of lector. And then there are lots of people who, who do, you know, proclaim the scriptures in the context of, of mass and in the context of our worship. We as lectors have a great responsibility and an opportunity to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so often when I'm preparing to uh, to read the, the scriptures at Mass, to serve as a lector, I will be reading the, you know, not just the readings that I'm going to be doing in advance so that I'm ready, so that I, I know how to pronounce all the names and things like that, but also I'm praying with the scriptures and I'm praying 
particularly that the Holy Spirit will use me as a mouthpiece, that the Holy Spirit will fill my heart and my tongue and my throat so that I can pronounce the words and proclaim the word with reverence and with effectiveness, and that the Holy Spirit will open the hearts of every member of the congregation so that they can hear what the Spirit has to say to each and every person. Because as a lector, my job is to proclaim the word. And, you know, St. Paul even says, how can they believe unless they have heard? And that's the job of the lector is to proclaim so the people can hear the gospel uh, and to and to hear the very word, the words of the spirit. And so that's just something that really came to mind that I wanted to think about the the apostles and the evangelists and the and the writers of the sacred scripture were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so are we called to be when we read it, whether we're reading it to ourselves or we're reading it in the context of our liturgy. I love that, Ken. You know, especially it's about praying through the scriptures. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just awesome as elect. I mean, imagine if a priest or a deacon or a deacon preach and didn't prepare, you know, like, oh, I'm just gonna just look at the gospel five minutes before mass and then make something up, you know, when it comes time to you just don't do that. And and it shouldn't be the same way for elect. You don't come before mass and just look read the reading real quick and no, take some time during the week. Read through the, the scriptures ahead of time. Pray about them. Yes, maybe if you have to figure out how to pronounce Melchizedek or whatever, go ahead and figure that out. Yeah. But also pray through the scriptures and just realize that God is using you to break open his word, you know, to, to feed people with the word so that people can be edified by what they hear. You know, so so that and people and I can tell, I can always tell the ones who are the, the excellent lectures. I always make sure I say something to them afterward. You know, because you just feel it. You're like when when they're like, you just you just feel the spirit work in your own life. You 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 are drawn in by the scriptures. You know, and and I always thank the lector. And 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 most of the time, nine times out of ten, they have prepared ahead of time, <laughs> and, and you know, prayed a couple of days before, prayed through the readings stuff. I said, okay, you can tell. Uh, in in the way uh, it comes forth from the way they present the word. And it's particularly important, of course, for those who are proclaiming the scriptures in the context of our Sunday worship. Sunday being, you know, the when obviously our largest congregations attend, you know, each Sunday mass and, and the Saturday vigil and all of those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, uh, even in daily mass, you know, on your way to the chapel, on your way to the church, uh, as you get to, to mass, be looking at those scriptures or or beforehand if you can if you're if you think you might be called upon to be a lector because of course daily mass uh, gatherings are often much smaller and so uh, you know father is going to pick somebody out uh, or the deacon's going to pick somebody out in the congregation to proclaim the word and so you may not at a daily mass have as much preparation but if you're praying with the scriptures if you're actually letting the gospel of the day and the and the readings of the day animate your your prayer life then you're going to be uh, hearing the Spirit in your own life. And the reality is, if we listen to and heed the Word of God, if we're open to the power of God's love in our lives, then we are going to be ourselves transformed by the Holy Spirit. We are being transformed into Christ. Knowledge of scriptures of the Scriptures is knowledge of Christ. And that is to be living in the Word, in our prayer if you're praying the liturgy of the hours, if you're doing the the uh, you know office of readings, which are part of the liturgy of the hours, 
you know, you're praying the Psalms. All of this is to get to know and to be deeper formed by the Holy Spirit. Again, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Um, This is how we enter into a relationship. This is, you know, if during your courtship with your with your spouse, you were writing letters back and forth or emails or texts or whatever, you know, those are a treasury of getting to know one another. And such is the sacred scriptures for us. It's God's love letter to us, to the church. It's a love letter that can sometimes be harsh. The prophets are calling us back to faith. You know, Christ who has these wonderful parables, also says woe to you very often. And we are the woe to yous to whom he is often speaking. You know, how are we listening to and heeding the word of God? St. Paul provides guidance to the churches to be ever more faithful to Christ and to call them into a deeper relationship with Christ. He's writing to us and writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is what we are called to be ever more familiar with Christ, the Holy Spirit, leading us to God the Father. Yes. And we're all called also to help build up the body of Christ. And so, yes, by the elective preparing, but also all of us, All all of us spend more time in the word of God, listening and heeding the word of God, being open to the power of God's love in our lives. That's what the scriptures help us to do. They help us to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as you said, Ken, we are then transformed into Christ. Yes. You know, so spending time in the Word. Like One thing I've been doing in my prayer life um, since I've been ordained is I, I've added the um, matins or the office of readings to the uh, liturgy of the hours that I pray every day. And those, you know, those extra scriptures, extra scriptures, if you will, right, <laughs> right, right. you know, uh, has just been truly edifying you know so you so you get the scriptures in the morning of course you're praying the psalms you pray the liturgy hours with the scripture and then you're uh if you go to mass you're hearing scripture the weekday mass you go to sunday you're hearing the scripture i mean right you know it, it just really creates a wonderful atmosphere where you feel enveloped in in prayer if you will because in a sense you're praying all the time right <laughs> right when you're immersing yourselves in the scripture you know, uh, so it's just it's just a wonderful way to stay close to the spirit, which always helps us stay close to Christ. Amen. One of the things we talked about last week and kind of began this uh, this idea that the Holy Spirit, as we are being transformed, we are being changed and ever more configured to Christ. But the Holy Spirit builds upon who we are, builds upon our human nature, builds upon our talents and our weaknesses. As St. Paul said, you know, we, it is in our weakness that the, um, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness, as he wrote to the, to the Romans. But the Holy Spirit does not destroy or distort our human nature but he rather heals, elevates, and perfects it. And he enables us to live in this personal loving communion with our Heavenly Father. You know, something that we talked about a few weeks ago, Deacon, when you were on pilgrimage, and I had the wonderful opportunity to chat with Father Anton Ten Kloster, the um, uh, moral theologian from the Netherlands, um, you know, one of the things he talked about, and we talked about together, was moral transformation uh, which is not just, again, not just covering up of, of who we are in Christ, but it's actually transforming us from within and grace perfecting our natures. And how do we begin this? But through baptism, right? Baptism itself is not merely an outward cleansing with water, but it's actually, as 
Paul wrote, St. Paul wrote to Titus, it is a washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. So in our baptism, we're not just cleaned, but we are actually regenerated in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens. And this is the beginning of our Christian life. Our Christian journey is our Christian journey of transformation in Christ. Yes, absolutely. And and the, the key is this personal loving communion with the Heavenly Father. I mean, that's yes. that's the key to everything. And that's the first way we should think about our relationship with God and, and our Catholic faith, what our Catholic faith helps us to do. You know, and we talked about this before. It's, it, it's not about rules, commandments, moral codes, following them. It's but what did they lead us to? What do those what do those laws and commandments and catechisms enable us to do? Mm-hmm. Right? It, to mm-hmm. be in relationship, to, to come out of ourselves, to to put on the mind of Christ, to not think like the world, you know, but 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 the but the, the Holy Spirit leading us to Christ who leads us to deep intimacy with the Father, who gives us more of the Holy Spirit. It's entering into that that relationship of love, life, intimacy, and communion. And and that's the piece that we need to get across first and foremost, um, that I think is missing. I think the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. The, the thing that I've been wondering about, Kim, is you, you know, I was thinking you know, we were talking about Dr. Favali before. Now, here, here was a woman who was a militant uh radical feminist, right? <laughs> and and but now is a uh a devout Catholic. Like, how does that work? How does the Holy Spirit do that? Because both of us are cradle Catholics. I mean, all all we know is the Catholic Church, but but for other people where they did not start off with faith, they did not start off with the idea of the church. In fact, they may have started off with with negative uh, connotations about the church, or just errors, or rumors, or you know, uh, uh, um, fables about what they think the church is. You know, but but how does you know? It's, it's fascinating to me how the Holy Spirit moves someone. Who is at, not not even necessarily anti-faith, but just have no faith. It's just ambivalent, where faith means nothing to them. To move into this intimacy with Christ in its fullness, in the Catholic faith, you know that's just uh, because it's not brainwashing, right? We want right. to we want very clear when when you start to come into church and learn about the faith, we're not brainwashing you. We're not trying to we're not trying to make these devastating arguments that well, I have no choice. You know, I mean, no. We're free to choose, but it's fascinating how the Holy Spirit works in someone's life to point them and direct them, you know, on this on this journey and on this path of deepening faith. I so often find that it's it's in relationship, it's in communion with someone else, right? This one of the things you said, you know, to direct and and to point, but it's also the Holy Spirit invites as well. And St. Augustine talks about this, about, you know, you, you seduced me, O God, and I let myself be seduced. Or, or you duped me, O God, and I let myself be duped. Um, the, the beauty, you and I have both met people. We, 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 we met wonderful people who just radiate joy and love and peace. And you look at a person like that and you say, I want to know why that person is so joyful. And what you discover is this is a person who's devoted to the Eucharist. This is a person who's devoted to the faith. This is a person who's devoted to prayer. This is a person who just radiates joy and peace because they're giving away what they themselves have received. Um, what is it about the little 
weathered little woman in white and blue, Mother Teresa, that caused so many people around the world to be just in love with her and to want to associate themselves with her mission, the missionaries of charity. What is it about that? But it was this joy and peace that she radiated. You know, what is it about? That's so key. Yeah. I mean, and, and so it's that relationship. And it shouldn't surprise any of us that it is in relationship and in communion with another that we are drawn into want to be in communion with the God who invites us to communion, to communion with himself, because God himself is a communion of persons, is radical love, peace, and joy. All of those fruits of the Holy Spirit that that St. Paul writes about are the attributes of God, and they're the things that we want as well, right? That we want all of those beautiful um, fruits, whether, uh, and now I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact list, right? L- uh, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these are what we want in our lives, and they're very attractive to us. And when we meet people like that, we want to know how to get that too. Um it's like that cheesy song. They'll know we are Christians by our love. But the reality is it's true. It's charity. It's love that that is the sign. That is what uh, is radical about the Christian faith. That's so key, Ken. It, it really is. And it's really also about the power of story. You know, I think the encounter that you're talking about, Ken, is not one where, you, you know, you're, you're, you're proselytizing. Right. Let me have this conversation with you so you can be converted to the Catholic faith. No. no. Hmm. Uh, we often use that phrase, meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. So you encounter someone who just is ambivalent about their faith, but yet they're attracted to you because they see something in you that's missing from their own life. And so there's an initial attraction to you and you're in this conversation. And in my mind, I'm all, and I, and I ask the Holy Spirit to help. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Very powerful. Amen. Help me in this situation, Holy Spirit. You know, because the goal is how do I get this person in front of me to want to listen to more of what I have to say? You see, because it's a conversation. Right. Right. It's it's not proselytizing, it's not trying to convince, it's not devastating arguments. It's a conversation. And the conversation from my end is usually about story. You know, let me tell you how God did in my life. Let me tell you about how God has really worked in my life when I started praying rosary every day. Let me tell you what God has done in my heart. So I started going to adoration every week. Let me tell you how powerful this praying with my wife every day. Let me tell you, know, and just share that. Yeah. We're so reluctant to do that sometimes as Catholics, you know, now converts, you know, usually have no issue. That's why the journey home is so popular in EWTN. People are telling their stories, but those of us who have always been Catholic, why do we have such a hard time? sometimes? just, <laughs> I mean, they think, well, that's that's for like Jimmy Aiken and those guys, the professionals are the ones that are supposed to share their faith. I'm just supposed to just put my head down and just grind it out every week. No, no, we're all called by our baptism in the Holy Spirit to witness to our faith. And I think people have in their minds when I mean witness to the faith, it's do what I do or you do, Ken, or or you know, people in our in our positions where you know we we are interacting with the public a lot. No, no, no. It's sharing something maybe with your babysitter or with your neighbor next door or something, yep. you know, just witnessing to the power of God in your life. You know, when you're talking about your kids, th- those kinds of things. 
And we should not be reluctant to do that. Just just share and tell your story. Yeah. I think that the flip side, too, is to listen to others as well, to listen to their story. and But to listen and be listening for those moments when perhaps the Holy Spirit has clearly worked in their lives already and is, you know, and, and to help make those connections and to, to say, oh, my gosh, you know what? I, I hear you saying this. And I, I wonder, isn't that, isn't that the action of the Holy Spirit bringing you to this or, or that or, you know, um, listening is as important as telling, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And it's part of a great relationship. Listening to the other is to also um, to ennoble them and to honor them. Uh, and it's also how we build relationship. We listen to one another. We don't just treat everyone else as an audience for us, but we actually are entering into communion by, by listening to them, much the same way that we are invited when we go to adoration to listen, to just sit there in silence and to listen to that still small voice, such is the same in our human relationships, to listen to the other as well. Um, those are powerful moments. Everybody appreciates a good listener, right? Everybody yeah. appreciates somebody who will just listen to me so that I can, I can tell my story too. I think that's an yeah. important part of relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just one quick thing I forgot to mention to you, Ken, <laughs> is that the um, Father Brian Malady's, uh mass that I, uh, 50th anniversary mass. Right. Someone came up to me afterward and said that Living Stones really made a big difference in their life. They were kind of ambivalent Catholic. Then they started listening to Living Stones and and, and now they you know, were motivated them to to uh, to to live better, to, to really go back into their Catholic faith. So I thought oh, that was fantastic. pretty awesome. Again, listening. And yeah. that's, that's what we're doing here. We're helping people to listen and to learn and to grow. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm always, it's always such a joy to meet listeners to the show and to, um, and for us to be able to say, we pray for you. We pray for you because um, that's what, I don't know, we're, we're just overjoyed to be able to, to share this joy with one another and with you. So thank you so much for listening to every member of the Living Stones audience, especially our, our new listeners in Nebraska and Western Iowa and, and from coast to coast. You're part of a huge family of people who are just joyful at being Catholic and grateful for the invitation and the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so... Tonight, however, we've run out of time for our conversation, so we're going to continue this next week. Uh, We invite you to connect with us. If you're on Facebook, go to Living Stones Media, and uh, you can also listen to all the previous episodes of the show. This is show 348, so you can go all the way back uh, at materdeiradio.com. But Deacon, until we gather next week to pick up our conversation on the Holy Spirit, might we have a blessing? May Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.